Well, hello there, everybody. It's been a long time since both of us have been on doing a recording here. I'm Junkyard James, and that's my homeboy, Commander Cody. This is the new rendition of the Beyond the Junkyard Wrestling Podcast. Sir, how are you doing? It's been a minute. Oh, me, Jamie, Jet is going well. It is freezing in North Carolina. Hope everybody is doing well. Points uh, north, south, east, and west. Whether it's day, night, afternoon. Hope everybody is doing well. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. We got a pretty good show to talk to everybody about today. The homeboy CM Punk is back in the WWE. And so let's start there. But first, let me let's get some housekeeping out of the way. New hashtag for the show, if you see in the bottom left-hand corner, if you're watching on the the um, live stream on YouTube, this this will also be posted on. Uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts here uh, after after the live stream is recorded and uploaded. But new hashtag, hashtag beyond the yard. We want feedback. We want topics to eventually talk about. The plan is to at some point kind of get into the history of uh, some historical events that go on in pro have gone on in pro wrestling and We'll, we'll lead into some of that here in the future, but CM Punk just blew up the wrestling world, so that's where we're starting this this new rendition. Make sure to follow the YouTube channel at Junkyard Media Group, Facebook page as well, Junkyard Media Group, the Twitter page at Junkyard MG, and uh, let's jump in. I didn't watch Survivor Series on Saturday. I know you did. So I'll I'll let you kind of explain the feeling on Saturday and then kind of lead up to, to CM Punk's debut back 10 years in the making in WWE. Yeah. Um, I, I am not a loyal WWE watcher every week, but I decided, you know what? Uh, I had a feeling something was going to happen on Sunday. Uh, Saturday night, and uh, decided to watch it, and it was it was okay. It's an all right show. wasn't horrible. wasn't great. Um, I thought that the men's war games was better than the female, even though the female was pretty decent. Uh, a couple of the matches threw me off. I did not really care for Rhea and Zoe Stark. I don't see Zoe Sark at all as a performer. Um, and uh, the Santos-Escobar match was okay. It wasn't bad. Um, and then the uh, the Men's War Games was was okay. It wasn't bad. It, it, was, it was pretty good. Um, to me, a true War Games match has the cages closed. I I guess this you know obviously WWE has had this match now for a few years with the NXT installments and all that good stuff so it was what it was um, you know we get to the end of the match and 
and uh, the tease with Orton not coming out, Rhea potentially letting Damien cash in. It was a kind of that was a fun little spot. Then Orton comes out, and uh, you know, babyface team of him, Cody, Jay, um, Seth, Sami Zayn. They all clean house. They win. Cool spot with the RKO from the top on a. Uh, I forgot his name. R.J. McDonough. J.R. McDonough. J.D. McDonough. There you go. So look at that. There you go. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so decent match overall. Baby faces win. We get to the end. Copyright logo comes on. Think it's over. They get to the wide shot. And then all of a sudden, um, Pepsi Phil. Fragile, fragile Phil. Third return in the city of Chicago. Um in the last three years. <laughs> so, obviously a massive pop, great pop. It's in Chicago. I feel like maybe maybe the pop is going to be the same if he wasn't in Chicago, but, I mean, good Lord. For whatever reason, I mean, the man just has to be in Chicago to make it overturn. Um, yeah, so overall, it's a decent Survivor Series. It was a decent show. And then the ending... Uh, uh, it was pretty memorable, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. The the ending was memorable because it made us want to watch Monday Night Raw, which uh, I think both of us can can suffice. We don't we don't like Monday Night Raw all that much, um, regardless of what the guy DJ Wavy D had to say. I did not love Raw. I don't know about you. I felt like I was dying watching that entire show, but I stayed to watch the show to see what CM Punk would do. And uh, good grief, I, I just I, I don't I don't I don't understand the the booking decision to leave CM Punk for the final what, like six minutes of the show. I don't want to break down Raw. There was literally nothing important, and at least in my opinion, that that happened. I felt like I was in hell for three hours. I don't understand how I could sit through rampage and collision back to back the last two weeks and be completely fine. But a three hour Monday night raw put me to sleep almost. Um, (laughs) um, And then CM Punk came out at the end and, and good for, good for WWE. They, they knew they were going to get the, the ratings for people watching the whole show waiting for Phil to show up um, wouldn't have been my personal decision to have him end the show. My feeling would be is you probably could have got more people to watch at the beginning had he started the show. Um, before we get into what Phil had to say in his promo, what what was that, Raw? Uh, was it was it just as boring to you as it was for me? I struggled mightily watching Raw. Uh, I could not tell you half of what that show was. I I remember watching Nia Jax and Zoe Stark. To me, it was god awful. I will say this: that <clears throat> there are obviously. Big differences between AEW and WWE from a production standpoint, from an entering product, from a promo standpoint, from an overall pr- production standpoint. As much as I like probably more of the 
Warriors, the women's division of of AEW. I will say that if you compare the Nia Jax Joey Sark match to Julia Harden Emmy Sakura, they were both not good. I will say that they were both not good. Right. I will. I will take the. Maybe the choreography. I will take the overall match flow as boring as it was between Zoe and Nia because they they were slow and steady. Pace was what it was, but it didn't seem too awkward. It was just not a great match because I don't like either one of the competitors. To me, they're not. They don't draw my attention. I love Julia as a character. She's gotten so much better in the ring, but that match was sloppy. And I don't fully blame Julia for that because she has come a long way from two years ago, one year ago in the ring. I don't know if it's a language barrier or what it was, but the ending of that match was just real sloppy. And so I, I, I will take from that perspective. Um, If it was a two-hour Raw, I'm fine with Punk being in the main event. A three-hour raw. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was. it was it was tough to get through, and then you sit for two hours and fifty minutes to wait for Punk, and he delivers a six-minute promo to end the show. I didn't like it. Promo was what it was, but I wish they had more time for him. I don't know what else he would have said. Probably not too much, right? Uh, but the promo was was pretty pretty dull for 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 waiting two hours and fifty minutes for it. And I know that he's not going to drop a huge pipe bomb on AEW. Probably because WWE does not want to even acknowledge AEW. I don't think they really think that they're a, a competitor, true threat, whatever you want to call it. And I'm fine with that. I'm actually fine with Punk not going on a right tirade pipe bomb bashing the other company. To me, it's not needed. Now, will he, you know... Would I would I would it, would it create great television? Yes, yes, it would. But I think honestly, Punk would have probably done the same thing if he was in TNA. Right. You know, it's great to be back in TNA. We've come full circle. You know, this company was so much different from when I was in in two thousand two or three, and you know, uh, we're back. And I feel like we would have done the same thing there. And and. Uh, it's an interesting promo for sure, but uh, yeah, that man. Yeah, so, raw is hard to sit through. So, so I would sit here and say I don't think, and this is just going based off Tony. What Tony Khan has said is when someone asked about Punk debuting in WWE and his thought on it, Tony Khan said he couldn't speak on anything because there's legalities on the way. I think there's some sort of non-disclosure agreement between Punk and AEW that he's just not going to be able legally to say anything that could be offensive in some sort in some way, shape, or form, um, at least for the short while. Um, but we talk about Punk's six-minute promo. I'm gonna sum it up here in about 22 seconds, and it's uh. It was predicted in advance, kind of what he was going to say, by none other than our AEW World Champion Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Listen to this. It sure is great to be back 
insert name of town. I sure do love being a part of insert name of company. Gee whiz, I sure am looking forward to my matchup against insert name of opponent, robotic pucker up punk. I don't know. I found that clip uh, and I, it, it was almost spot on. Here's here was my problem with Punk's promo, and, and tell me, I guess I'll use another one of, of CM Punk's lines. Tell me when I'm telling lies here. Um, it was like one big lie, and it made it, it really it sounded super hypocritical. I think the biggest part, and I think I actually screamed at my TV when he said, "I'm home." It may it that physically pissed me off because he sat there a year, two years ago. And trashed the living shit out of WWE on AEW television, saying he's back now and he's healthier than he's ever been. And he had to take seven years to get healthy because the place that he's now calling home made him basically sick to the point that he he was about to what, die or whatnot. Like he he trashed the hell out of WWE only to come back and say he's home as if he hasn't talked a whole bunch of garbage about WWE the past 10 years. There was one line in that entire promo that was factual, which was at the very end where he said he didn't come here to make friends. He came here to make money. And that's how this is to me. I don't, I don't see CM Punk as saying in the WWE for a super long time. I don't think his body's going to hold. Like I think his, like every time he tried to make a return it, in AEW, he would get injured or get in a fight in backstage. Am I am I just off for just thinking that CM Punk's entire promo was just one big hypocritical lie? I don't think so. <clears throat> um, one thing I love to listen to in the morning is Busted Open Radio with David Greca, Dreamer, Bully Ray, Mark Henry, um, Thunder Roses on Fridays. I love to listen to them. I love to listen to their commentary, their thoughts, obviously. Look, Greg, being a huge wrestling fan like you you and myself, um, obviously you get the professional side of the aspect of things with Mark Henry, Bully Ray, Tommy Dreamer, all that good stuff. Um, And Bully Ray brought up a point on Tuesday morning after the Punk promo on Raw that – or maybe it was Monday. It was one of the two. Um, And he said, you know – if Punk could give us one good year out of this, it's good. And I think that that's all of our – I think that's all of our, our thing is that it, it it can't last forever, right? Punk has proven that his ego gets in the way, gets the best of him. He is a mark for himself, and I think at the end of the day, whatever is going to give him the biggest paycheck at that time – until he's fed up with the creative, until he's fed up with somebody going off the script for one moment, for somebody saying something in an interview, saying something to the camera that's insider, whatever, and then it's off the rails. Now, um, if we get one year of punk, that's great. I, I mean, I, I, the whole home thing, that that's... To me, that's just corporate kiss kiss up right there. Um, Dreamer says that 
and I think Mark Henry said that they believed the promo that he had. It was it was good. It was to the point, but they liked it, and it was real. I, I don't I don't know if I believe that. I believe in the whole he loves you guys. Um, I believe him that he says he's not here to make friends. He's here to make money. I don't think it's home for him. What is home to CM Punk? Home is where he became the biggest star because of his ego or is home where he left, where he made an initial big name for him. Like home is home for him probably is, is TNA or, or ROH. And he even said in his introduction promo on that rampage, the first stands in Chicago in 2021 that he left professional wrestling in 2006 and that day in Chicago, he came back to professional wrestling, which is it. Are you home? Are you back in pro wrestling? Are you just saying that because WWE's giving you the fat paycheck, giving you a great opportunity to, Make a name for yourself again. Make a big mark. Make some money. And I mean, I mean, listen, WWE is is, is very hot right now. Ticket sales are great. Merchandise is great. They're they're obviously doing well. And, and hey, kudos to them. More power to them. When when WWE or wrestling does well, when AEW does wrestling does well, it's good to see the wrestling industry doing well for the most part. And and is is the Biggest name in town. They're number one. It's great. It's great to see the the ten thousand, uh, you know, ten thousand people in attendance almost every week. The ticket sales are doing great. All this stuff. But I think that without Punk, they're still doing well. Now, yeah, there's. I mean, they're they're going to have a really good uh, trajectory, even more so now because Punk being here. But I think at the end of the day, how long will it last? Either from injury, from him getting pissed off at the wrong person. Who knows? We shall see. Um, but I'll tell you that. Just kind of going into a little bit of the of the of the chat. I'm sure bringing up. I just wanted to dive into. Yeah. I looked away from DJ saying that uh, uh, I'm breaking. I'm becoming a casual. To me, if you watch wrestling every week, you're not a casual. You're a diehard. If if you know more than what the casual fan knows, you're a diehard. There is no casual. A casual is a person who watches every few every few you know months, every few weeks. Hey, this I heard this guy's coming back. I'm gonna watch, and then you don't really watch until that person's back, or you watch just for the sole purpose that somebody's there to return, and you watch until they leave or whatever. I, I think there's a difference between a casual, hardcore, diehard. I think that sometimes that gets looped in a little bit. Casuals are what the '90s had. Mm-hmm. Water cooler talk. People that didn't watch wrestling that watched it because it was cool, fun to watch. Water cooler talk. They left in 2002. Those are casuals. They haven't come back, or if they have, it's very, very little. If you watch wrestling every week, you are no longer a casual. You are a diehard. So and, I and, and I'll, I'll I'll push it up even further. If you're listening to this or any wrestling podcast, you're not a casual. Because casuals do not spend the time of day to find wrestling podcasts to listen to wrestling. Um, sure. For for the most part, maybe like the Eric Bischoff eighty three weeks podcast. Maybe Eric a podcast Bischoff. here and there, but they're not listening to a right. podcast between two goons on a Thursday night at nine o'clock. 
Right. <laughs> I um, don't think so. Yes. Um, it, it, I was actually going to bring some stuff in from the chat here. Um, Let's see, we got new I software could. and technology, so I don't know what we're able to do and not do. So this is all new to me. So here we go. DJ Wavy D pops up on here. Look at Punk that. was in ROH TNA for four years combined and WWE for 10 years. <sighs> Maybe, but without the ROH days, without the TNA days, WWE Punk probably doesn't get the biggest run. Um, but I, I preface this this podcast by trying to do as much research as possible from not only the, and we'll get into the metrics of maybe how the first few days of Punk and WWE has gone from a metric standpoint, but also from the historical aspect of a CM Punk. And I was listening to uh, something to wrestle with Conrad Thompson and, and Bruce Pritchard on the rise of CM Punk and how he really became to be in WWE and Pritchard. Didn't hear the name of CM Punk, didn't know CM Punk until the summer of Punk in 04 with him and Joe and ROH. And like you said, that's really where he got his name, uh, his his uh, foot in the door in, into uh, WWE, so to speak, with the summer of Punk, the TNA run a little bit, um, him versus Raven, him versus Eddie Guerrero at IWA, Mid-South, AJ Styles, all that good stuff. So, um, CM Punk has has come a long way he's he scratched and clawed and fought to get to where he is today was in 2006 was in 2021 the guy knows how to create controversy the guy knows how to get conversations going and he's good in some ways for the wrestling business for the most part he's good for the wrestling business he gets people talking he is usually enough taking merchandise sales ticket sales revenue ratings it's just man he shoots himself in the foot every now and then and every now and then so um and and along that line of home like i would say aj styles home was tna tna made aj Styles for sure yeah i would say home like someone like jade cargill her home she could be in wwe for the rest of her life but her home the place that created Jade Cargill was AEW. Without AEW, Jade Cargill doesn't exist in WWE. Um, well, she doesn't exist right now because we haven't seen her in quite a while. <laughs> they haven't used yet. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> She's a um, she, she might be. Um, <laughs> but uh, one question that I didn't list on the list of questions that we were going to talk about that just kind of popped into my mind here. Um which which presentation? I think Punk's presentation of his re-debut back in the WWE was terrible. I think they could have done a, such a better job of bring, presenting him back out. At least on like the Saturday thing was cool because of the shock and awe as you were in the show. But on Monday, like he should have been a big part of your show, um, and he wasn't. He was at the back end. Whereas Adam Copeland and, and AEW gets this big welcome into AEW. And then maybe there's a little bit of a difference between a re-debut and debuting for the first time in a company. Um, I felt like AEW did justice for Adam Copeland's debut. And WWE could have done so much more to push, to make CM Punk seem more important than 
than they kind of made him do made him do. Like they didn't make me want to watch Monday Night Raw next week, even if Punk's gonna show up. They made me want to watch Adam Copeland in the coming weeks after his debut in AEW. What'd you say? I would agree with that for the sole purpose of that. Well, let me let me start off with this. WWE did a great job at promoting hyping up CM Punk on Raw. First mm-hmm. time in WWE in nine years. Going to speak live microphone. I would say that for the most part, people come for Punk because of what he would, what he could say. His 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 mic. He's a good wrestler. Some people come for that, but I think for the most part, people come for the for the shock and awe of what he might say or the thought of what he might say. <clears throat> so WWE hyping this up all weekend long, and that was a you know smart play on them, obviously for having pay per views on Saturdays. Tony Khan, you need to gotta listen to that, but. Get these things back to Saturdays, my man. Come on now. Not just a few every now and then. I need every one of these pay-per-views on a Saturday. Regardless, so. Especially um, inclusion in March. That should have been Saturday. Listen, I'm taking PTO for that Monday off, so it'll be all right. <laughs> um, so, WWE had all day Sunday, all day Monday to hype this thing up. And mm-hmm. I think they, the punk return broke their all-time social media most watched video on social media, um, which goes to show that's just the uh, the shock and awe uh, and the um, hype and, and draw that CM Punk is. So you hype this thing up all day Sunday, you hype this thing up all day Monday, and people are going to watch Raw. Eight o'clock comes. Don't get them. We get Randy Orton, <clears throat> and that's fine. So you're hyping up all night, all night, all night, all night. And whether, I mean, obviously, for the most part, most people that tuned in the Raw at 8 o'clock did not stay for 10.50 at 11 o'clock. They didn't. That's They still drew a great number. I'm not, I'm not downplaying that at all. I'm not saying that, oh, see, people left when Punk came on. They did, but I, I, WWE had a great chance to capitalize on that at the 8 o'clock hour, and maybe people would have stayed. I doubt it. I think it was a smart play for them to not bring Punk out because if they did at 8 o'clock, maybe more people would have tuned out after that and then the ratings would have dipped down more so in the 9, 10, 11 o'clock hour. So I get it. They did it on purpose. It's a smart ploy. But that's where the difference between Edge, I know I give long gated answers, but I don't know. With wrestling, I feel like I, I have such a, weird way of trying to get my overall thought into it because it's just the way my brain works. But anyways, with AEW, Copeland debuted on that Saturday for Russell Dream? I don't remember. Uh, Whatever October 1st was. What was October 1st? I think it was a Saturday. Or a Sunday. I can't remember. It was a Sunday. All right. So it was a Sunday. Regardless. So AW had three days to have their next program on and when Adam Copeland was going to appear. Now they did at the press conference afterwards. So did WB and all that good stuff. But anyways, so Copeland debuts on that Sunday were hyped up. Not only did Tony Khan say that he was going to be there on Wednesday, he was going to be there that Saturday for collision. He was going right. to wrestle his first match the following Tuesday 
on Dynamite for Title Tuesday. Yes, that's where the difference AEW made me want to stay longer and be more invested at Adam Copeland because they said, hey, listen, he's on the roster full-time. Yeah, he's going to be there one day, and he's going to speak. He's going to do all this. Guess what? He's going to be there Saturday for Collision. Guess what? He's going to have his first match the following week on Tuesday. All we've got is a is a punk promo of six minutes. No mention of he, if he's going to be on Friday on SmackDown, if he's going to be at NXT Tuesday, if he's going to be on Raw next Monday, like what his plans are. Art doesn't make me want to watch it. Be on Raw on Monday, yes, but put that on social media already. Hey, guess what? Next Monday, Punk's going to be back. Is he going to do another promo? He doesn't even have to wrestle right now. That's totally fine. But I feel like you got to capitalize on that momentum from Saturday and Monday to auto, you know, already money advertisement, put them on the bill live in person, CM Punk on the right. broadcast, CM Punk. So I agree with your answer in a very, very yeah. long way. <laughs> no. Yeah. So I agree with that. I think, I think, I think, Here's the one thing I think Tony Khan does better than WWE. If there was one thing that I had to narrow down, it's when he brings somebody in, he makes them one of the most important pieces of whatever show that they're going to be a part of. Um, you think of like when Cody was brought out at WrestleMania, yeah, he had his big WrestleMania moment. Yeah, it's that big surprise. But but Cody was kind of like, what, mid-card starting he didn't get his push with Roman until a year after his, his debut. Part of that was injury related, but I don't, I don't think he would have had that match with Roman or any, any earlier. They would have finished feud with Seth first uh, before he got any sort of title shot. If, 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 if we put it in the reverse and we had someone, let's say Seth Rollins debuting in AEW, Seth Rollins is going to probably get a, a, a big piece of some storyline really early on maybe not an an AEW title opportunity but right away but he's he's going to be a big part of the show and i i just felt like they they pushed cm punk to the last six minutes they didn't get an overrun like tony khan would have gotten cm punk a 20 minute overrun somehow and let him just say whatever the hell he wanted until 11 30 at night um you're, you're right no we even got a we even got a Thumbfuck <laughs> comment on Dynamite last night. So uh-huh. there you go. <laughs> um, so they make like Tony Khan does a whole lot to make new people coming into the company feel spe- more, maybe even more special than they should. Um, anyways, moving kind of back online where we want to go, and and this is a great transition to a comment that was just left in the chat here. According to WrestleNomics, the November twenty seventh episode of Raw. Brought in a viewership of 1.884 million people. And I, I had my research here done. The week prior on the 20th episode of November 20th episode, they were at 1.45, I think, million people. So CM Punk comes in on Monday night, and all he's able to do is raise the viewership 400, uh, approximately 400 and 50,000 people. Now, let me see if I can I can get this to work. Like you said earlier, we have new technology we're running with. 
Uh, let's see. Can you see the screen there? We can share a screen while recording. Look at this. Look at this, sir. This is the AEW collision numbers. Is there any way you can you can zoom that in at all? I can't. Uh, no, it's just whatever my screen shows. So, um, Punk debuts on the first episode of Collision. They got eight hundred and sixteen thousand people. Plummets. His last episode, I think, was right here, August twenty sixth. He's averaging probably around 460,000 people between all the episodes. And we feel an immediate push when Punk gets fired his second time. They drop. But initially, but they, it goes back up, and we, find, we, we hit this peak where we were higher than when Punk got fired, the last episode when Punk got high, fired. And then Tony Khan started messing with the show. And we're down to 200,000 at this point because he decides to run it against Survivor Series. He decides to run it against um, Friday Night SmackDown. Though that, That's just bad decision-making on, on Tony Khan's part. If you should say, I'm going to pop us back up into this big box here. Um, my question is, is Punk really the draw that he was 10 years ago? I don't think he is, but let me see what you want to say. Um, does he really bring that many extra pe- like so-called casual fans to come back to watch Monday Night Raw? Because my feeling was I, I I followed social media the whole night, and my fe- the feeling I got out of even like I would say hardcore wrestling fans was they were going to tune into Monday Night Raw to watch CM Punk, and if he popped in at eight, they would have just turned it off after his his promo whatever he was doing. If he came in at nine, they would have turned it off after then. And so I think WWE knew that. And that's why they put him at the back end, make everybody watch the whole show. Again, good ploy. They didn't do anything to make someone like me, like you, who doesn't typically watch Monday Night Raw, to want to come back next week. So yeah, they did 1.8 something million this week. What about next week? What about the week after? Can Punk contain the 1.8s? It's a good ploy because I think Triple H finalized or was finalizing Raw's new TV deal coming up soon. That's why he wasn't at Raw this past Monday. He was with Nick Khan working with some TV deal stuff. Um, Bruce Pritchard, I think, was the one in charge of this Monday night um, from what I've read on the dirt sheets. But is, is Punk really that big of a draw anymore? Or is, or is, his, is he past his prime in terms of draw? Well, I think the the jury's a lot on that from a WWE perspective. I would say from the AEW perspective, he brought a little bit of that and then tapered off a little bit, back, tapered off a little Um I probably should have sent these to you so that would have helped my case a little bit besides me just saying things, even though I, I saw these reports, not reports, I saw these metrics on, on X and, and emails and stuff like that. Um you know, AEW right now is averaging, and I know, you know, you can't truly compare AEW to WWE. They're not going to war right now. They're not head-to-head. It's AEW's an alternative. Alternative programming. Alternative elite wrestling. <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Um, AEW, right after Punk got fired, I think in the summertime, they're averaging about 3,500 fans at a Dynamite. <clears throat> and right now, they're averaging about 4K for Dynamite. So the attendance is up. The attendance is up from the summer. Now, 
usually the fall in wrestling is when uh, things go down until we get an uptake in January for the for the Rumble and then through WrestleMania and then we get to the summer. Usually there's after WrestleMania and leading up to SummerSlam, we get a little bit of a bump right around the SummerSlam time into the early stages of fall. And then we kind of see a little bit of a downward spiral, not a downward spiral, but a downward tick after um, SummerSlam, a little bit up for Survivor Series and then back down until January. Um, but Dynamite and AEW has actually done decently well since Punk as far as still getting, uh, bumping up the attendance numbers a little bit, at least for Dynamite. Um, now, I will say, Tony Khan, you got to stop booking these 20,000 seat arenas. You just got to stop. Money aspect, yeah, if you're getting a great deal on these venues for them, sure, I get it from a, from that aspect. But right. it just doesn't look good when you've got a 20,000 seat arena and you can only sell about 45 to 5,000 tickets. Right. You want right. Yeah. the crowds to look great. This is, this was something I think we've talked um, off the record, off the camera about like just optics wise. Would it not just, yeah, you could get those smaller arenas, the 5,000 seat arenas and sell them out. Would it not look better optically to say, Hey, we sold out. Sure. We, it was the HEB center in, Dallas, Texas, or wherever the hell it is, but at least, at least it's not. We're getting the negative optics of hey, we we went to United Center and sold eight thousand seats, and there's twelve thousand open seats that people can take pictures of and make fun of AEW for. I would, I would like, EC, like ECW the shit out of this. Like small arenas, pack everyone in, in as close to the ring as you can, and just you know. Be a little bit better yeah. than ECW because we don't want to run bingo holes now. We're not that. <laughs> I, I know what you're getting at, though. Um, run, run the run the uh, East Rowland High School. <laughs> We're gonna get AML here now. Um, going back to your original point, though, words on question about Punk being a draw. The jury's still out on that from a WWE perspective. We'll kind of see in the next coming weeks how he does with the shows he's advertised for. The ratings as well. You can't base it off of one week. Week to week is gonna be like that. It's gonna be week to week for the. Hills for the for the for the uh, TV ratings as well. Um, I think uh, um, on Twitter he was already the number two best selling merch of, of Sunday Monday, so he's already back up on top of that. Um, I will say that the um, the uh, oh, what was I? Um, sorry. Um, I will say that from what I have. Uh, what, what I've somewhat gathered, and this is where I probably could have, you know, send this over to you to make it a little bit more of an emphasis thing, but I, I subscribe to a thing on Patreon called Russell Ticks. It's very valid. It's very true. For the most part, sometimes you can't um, account for some things like suites or whatnot. Usually he's pretty good about the comp setup and his, from where he started to now, it's very accurate for the most part. It's actually pretty good the way that he's able to track these things as far as comps go, tickets distributed, set of capacity, tickets bought, all that stuff. So going back to this past Raw in Nashville, um, I looked and took some screenshots of these. So on November the 19th, the tickets that have been bought were 8,583. Fast forward that to Sunday before Raw. 
so November the 26th, that went up to 9,006. So that about a 500, almost 600 tickets distribution in just um, in a week. So November 19th, 8583. Seven days later, one day after Pug returned, only five tickets more. So then you go into, okay, well, how many tickets were distributed? How many people were in attendance? 10,501. Good for Nashville, it has topped the last time that WWE was in town at that arena. So 10,521. That means that from Sunday to Monday, since when Punk returned at Survivor Series, all the way till Monday night, he sold 1,425 tickets. That's not bad. I figured it'd be a little bit more than that. I figured that they could have gotten easily 11 to 12 maybe even 13,000 people in that arena, and they didn't. There was some set off in the upper deck, a little bit in the middle section, but it was pretty full. 10,000, it's, it's better than AEW's done recently, besides really uh, full gear, they did 13,000, obviously all in, did something, whatever. Uh, take away the pay-per-views aspect, TV-wise, AEW's done right now more than about five, 5,000, 5,500. So 1425, that's now the metric that we're going to be looking at is, okay, so Punk moved 1,425 tickets in two days. Now, going forward to when he is advertised, because that's up right now, as far as I know, on social media, he's not been advertised for Raw. He's not been advertised for SmackDown. So now it's going to be a matter of, okay, it was 1.884 million people watch Raw. It's the best since WrestleMania. Okay, awesome. Now, what's it going to be like next week? What's the ticket sales going to be like next week? What's the ticket sales going to be like this moving on forward as we get more into the punk run in WWE? I would say right now, sure. 1,400 tickets sold, 8,000 up to 10,000. Much more full arena, looks good on camera. Number two overall merchandise seller in the company. Great. Now let's see how it moves on because that's the only real way we're going to be able to tell if punk is a mainstay draw. I personally think that after about four or five months, it's going to wear off. Unless he does a really big angle, does something good at, at WrestleMania, and it keeps people tuned in. I think after WrestleMania is really going to be where we're going to be able to tell, okay, how's Punk going to do? Because be, between now and WrestleMania, people are going to want to see Punk in, in person, on TV probably. What's his angle going to be like? Is he going to go after Seth? Is he going to go after Roman? Is he going to win the World Rumble? A lot of questions. I want to see what's going to happen, what angles he's going to be in, what storylines he's going to be in. So between now and WrestleMania, I think you're going to see the uptake in ratings, the uptake in ticket sales. He's going to do great with merchandise. To me, it's going to be after WrestleMania when the newness is starting to wear off a little bit. When we've already seen him wrestle a couple times in a couple storylines, now where's he going to go? How does he do after that? That's where I have questions. We'll see. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll, we'll kind of wrap this up here. We've been going close to an hour here. Um, last question. This is just kind of fun, something to think about. Uh, before we jump into it, let's uh, let's uh, let's play a couple things on the chat here. We got we got a friend of ours. He's he's watching. Thank you for watching. Thank you for giving us a view. They say use Daily's place, but but we're not NXT anyway. Um, Daily's place is fun, but I like watching. 
I don't know. There's so many small arenas and small towns everywhere that like you could get, you could fill up an arena. You sh- you don't have to stay in one arena to to make it feel. Plus, Daly's place is so open and it's outdoor, so you can't run it. I mean, yeah, it's in Jacksonville, but do you really want to run? Well, they, they have a cover on to it, so if it was if it was raining, they would be fine. I don't like using the Daily's Place setup. AEW has enough talent to be able to do a touring brand. It's not like TNA um, to where they didn't really have a great following until about 2009, 10, 11, to where they could go on the road a little bit. And even then, it was still a mistake. Um, I just, you got to use smaller arenas right now to fill those up and Mm. Then we'll see what happens. Bailey's Place is not a bad option, but I mean, if you're going to use a sole place, and I know they own it, so it wouldn't be like that they would be losing money if they just stayed in Daly's Place. My thing is, is that there's no other attraction around Jacksonville that you could probably get people to come in. So like WCW, whenever they were at Disney MGM, they were giving away those tickets for free because nobody's going to pay to watch, or not, not many people are going to pay to watch a Saturday night taping. So they need to bring in the tourists and say, hey, wrestling, let's go watch this. Well, and, the, and, the, and AEW even tried because they were at um, Universal. They had a, a, a stage at Universal um, Orlando, I think it was, for the ROH tapings. And, and now they're doing ROH pre-taped prior to Dynamite or Rampage because no one was going to those shows anyway. So you're, you're – to. Production costs, it costs less when you can pre-tape an ROH or you can pre-tape a, a Rampage or you can pre-tape a, a Collision or whatnot. In the same city that you're running your Dynamite or your Collision or somewhere else, you can get the arena for an extra hour and pre-tape stuff. It, it's production costs. That's why that's why AEW is doing Rampage yeah. and ROH in that area. They're saving costs on production there. Um I don't think AEW necessarily needs to go to 10,000 seat arenas for a collision or a dynamite. It's like when they, when they're coming to Charlotte, they're using Bojangles Coliseum. I think that's a perfect venue for, they don't need to use spectrum center or whatever it's called. I think it's spectrum center still. Um, Bojangles is a fine arena to go to. Um, and then their big pay-per-views. I think that's when you try to fill the stadiums. Or the Coliseum. Yeah, that's where that's exactly where I was going to go with that too. I was going to come to the sound stage. You kind of led twi- into two perfect things. I was going to follow with that. DNA used the sound stage in Orlando, Florida. Sound stage twenty one. Universal Studios in Orlando for what seven eight years, and still did it after the you know twenty twelve and thirteen. They came back to sound stage. They weren't selling tickets to fans. They were letting them come in for free. They were pulling people off the park. They had a deal with the park that if you bought a park admission, you can get in to watch the wrestling shows. They were bringing people that would uh, more or less be, you know, usually every every week you would watch the same kind of people on TV, not because they would tape two or three shows at, uh, uh, at a time, but because they would have the same regular people. Just like NXT probably had the same thing whenever they're, you know, they're in full sale. And I'm sure now that the Performance Center um, I just feel like those things get stale. They get it doesn't look great on TV after a while. Sure, it may be full of five, six, seven, eight hundred people, but it's like, man, we want to see something different. I, I love the way different arenas look, the different crowds, all that good stuff. Right. 
while you can build a home base and it'd be a really cool aspect like the impact zone in Orlando, like the full sale crowd, right. like those things we stick in our brains because those crowds were good. But at the same time, Chicago crowds, Philly crowds, New York crowds, LA crowds, uh, the Texas right. crowd for AEW, like those are cool to see the different um, niches and markets and how people react to AEW come to their city. But I agree with you. Use the five, six, seven, eight thousand seat arenas for Dynamite Collision, and then use the twelve, fifteen, twenty thousand seat arenas that they're doing for pay per views. They're doing that for Revolution. Greensboro Coliseum is the biggest indoor arena. In the United States, 20,000 plus seats, fixed seats. If you could, if you could get 10 to 15,000, that's awesome. If you can get 18,000 to 19,000, that's even better. So use the small arenas to get your TV taping. So make it look good, make it sell out, go to the big arenas for your pay-per-views because typically pay-per-views are going to draw and have more people go to them. That's how to me, you, you should be able to do that. So I mean I agree with you on that. Perfect. Let's let's kind of wrap up here. We've got one more question that I kind of want to kind of lead in here on, and then we're just going to say goodbye to CM Punk for hopefully quite a while, unless he starts some other drama somewhere. Um, <laughs> how long do you think he stays in WWE? I know we kind of mentioned it briefly. Um, I guess I'll start off on this. I I don't I don't expect CM Punk's run in WWE the last, like, just I have this gut feeling it lasts, like, six months. Like, it gets him to WrestleMania, and then either uh, there's rumors that there's a behavioral clause in his in his contract with WWE, like, but I, I feel like there's just so much backstage heat. Like, he can – that's another thing that he said that I felt was kind of a, a lie, was he said everybody backstage was hugging him and kissing him on the mouth and all of that. There's so many people I think that have their preconceived notions about punk and they're going to be cordial at the beginning, just like they were cordial at a and AEW at the beginning. But punk is punk and punk's going to, it's, it's just in his nature to build a toxic locker room. He did it before AEW. He did it before and in WWE. I think he did it in TNA or ROH prior Toxic locker rooms follow Phil Brooks. And I don't think this will be anything different. Um, it sounds like the reason that they, and maybe this is true, maybe this is not, but there's a the rumor going around the reason they kind of uprooted Kevin Owens from his story on Raw and moved him to SmackDown was because Phil Brooks is going to be on Raw and Kevin Owens doesn't want to work with him, doesn't want to work in that area. So Kevin Owens is moving over to SmackDown. I can't confirm that is true or wrong. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's correct. I don't, I'm not sure if that's even accurate. That's something I just read on, on the social medias. Um, you have the people that want him in there and the company, you have the people that don't just like there was an AEW. He started drama in AEW. I, I give it six months before something pops off in WWE and, and he's either kicked out or, or whatever may happen. Um, what shall you say? How long you do you feel? And maybe I'm wrong. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Because Punk, at the end of the day, he is he is a good thing for the wrestling business. When CM Punk is on TV, like that's it's better that he's on TV than not on TV. Um, he went set, you know seven seven years away from the business was too long for him, and like 
he's just one of the greatest to do it when he's on his game, when he's not starting drama, he's, he's, he's great. But when he's, when he's on his, this narcissistic run that he likes to run, um, and he doesn't want to take any blame for any of his actions. Sometimes it's just hard to keep him somewhere. I feel six months. Where, where shall you say? At this point, I think his next, uh, nickname should be finagle Phil. Um, the way he can finagle a locker room, finagle a contract, and still be on TV and make great money for it. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna, we're gonna get a good year and a half, almost two years out of Phil in WWE. I, I think that he's gonna be on his best behavior for a while, and it's just gonna take either not creative in his mind, he gets too tired of, of being on the road so much. Um, or things sets it off, and we get to the situation where it happened in AEW twice, and he gets fired. Um, but I think we get a good year and a half, two years out of him. You know, for seven years, it's true. Arenas, people were chanting his name. Still, he was a draw then. He's a draw now. It's just a matter of how much, and then it's just a matter of if he can control that temper enough to where you know. Do business, have fun with it, and then get out a rich man. And that's the name of the game. It should be at least. And right. time will tell with that for, for good old Philly. Right. And and don't take my comments or your comments or anything to say that we want. We don't want CM Punk to succeed in WWE. I think he deserves to go out the way that he wanted to go out. I don't think he wanted to go out the way he did in 2013 or 2014. I think – I think this is a good way for him to redeem himself and and make his final run in WWE on a more positive note than it was his first run. Um, And and I hope that he can have a good run. Um, My concern is, one, the behavioral problem, but I also don't know. He's, he's what, 41, 42? Um, Something like that, yeah. I I don't know if his his body can, can last... Um, and, and maybe WWE will do a better job of not making him wrestle as much as maybe AEW did. But it just seemed like he was injured every five or six months on his AEW run um, and or suspended. So I, I'm, I'm not 100% confident that his body can hold up to, to professional wrestling as much. One comment here that I got to mention says, can we get a – Fuck Sean Ross Sapp. Uh, no, you can't. But what I will say is if you download Patreon and you uh, go to Fightful and pay $5 a month, as Sean Ross Sapp would say, it's the best five bucks in the business, and I agree. Uh, I should have I found his Monday night raw breakdown because it was almost ac- as accurate as possible, and I would have just waited to the end of the show to tune in instead of watching all three hours of Monday night raw. Um Fightful, Patreon, best five bucks in the industry. I'm not sponsored anyway by by Fightful, but uh, I mean, if you want to sponsor me, then that'll be great. Um, any last comments, sir? Before we kind of roll on out of here, I'm not a uh, being sponsored by Russell Ticks, but it's the best two fifty that I spend per month is Russell Ticks. Um, I am infatuated when it comes to ticket sales and how things are laid out. They look, tickets distributed, counts, the pictures you get inside the arena of all the uh, the shows. I love that kind of stuff. So 
two fifty a month the Russell takes. It's a cool, uh, cool little, uh, cool little uh, prop there. But uh, that's all I got. Um, it's fun to be back in the saddle again talking wrestling. I think that um, I think we're much more comfortable talking wrestling and can hit on a bunch of different topics and uh, you know a bunch of different questions. I'm sure we're gonna have some cool collaborations along the way. It should be kind of fun. And uh, so keep the questions coming, keep the topics coming. Um, you know, follow us on the socials, share the video, share the page, like it, subscribe, all that good stuff. So that way, hopefully, uh, you know, we can make uh, make some cool out of it and, and uh, just have fun with fellow wrestling fans. Absolutely, absolutely. If you are interested in being on this show, if you like talking about wrestling, shoot me, shoot Cody, shoot the podcast Twitter page, DM. We 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 can. We can work that out. Uh, or you can email us, junkyardmediagroup at gmail.com. Um, we we want to we bring passionate wrestling fans and just kind of build a, a, a fan base here. Something we forgot to mention at the beginning, we got a Discord server. Um, I'll put the link to that Discord server in the description of this video here if I had not already done so. Um Follow us on all our social medias. Like, comment, subscribe. Go to the Apple podcast page, the Spotify podcast page. Leave us some reviews. That's the best way that our podcast can get shown to other people is reviews. And I feel like I'm back at work when I'm begging people for reviews. But give me a review, please. Uh, (laughs) Five stars. For this podcast, if it was Dave Meltzer, he would give me 6.75 stars. Um, (laughs) uh, This is actually a good comment. Right before we get off here, uh, we can do uh, some some Cody Caps quiz of the week type (laughs) stuff here. That'll be fun. We can get we can get a couple people on here and and test our knowledge. Uh, <laughs> join the Discord. Yeah, that'd be a cool thing. Yeah, I mean, yes. topic ideas are great. Quizzes are cool. I mean, uh, I told you for I, I didn't know if you were doing one this week, so uh, give me time to to come up with what an idea I have. Well, y'all, this is fun. We'll 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 uh, we'll have to bring it back next week. But until then, this has been the first episode of the brand new version of the Beyond the Junkyard podcast. I appreciate everyone tuned in on the live uh, live stream. If you're listening to the audio recording afterwards, I appreciate you for listening to that as well. Like, comment, share, all of that good stuff. You know, every, everybody says the same spiel at the end here. Um, leave us some, some ideas on what to talk about. Um, current events, past events, controversial topics. We, we like it all. Controversy sells, right? But until next time, we will see you beyond the yard. Y'all have a good one.